welcome to The Far Shore. I'm James. Hey everybody, I'm Andy. Back after a, a week's break. So it's nice to be back, James. It is nice to be back. Yeah, you uh, did you actually have a restful week, Andy, or has it been kind of a kind of a stressful week? No, it's all been good. Easter Easter was nice. Um, just chilling out with the family. Uh, nothing really special. Actually went to church, actually, for the first time in a long time. Like actually went to church physically. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, which was which was a big, it's like a, a, a game of life and death, isn't it? It's all very exciting, leaving the house at the moment. <laughs> it's like you don't really know what's going to happen. I know, well, especially um, in Brazil right now, I think. Right. I think, yeah, you, uh, yeah, it's it's looking it's looking ropey down there. Have you guys uh, had been off the vaccination down there yet? Oh, yeah, so the vaccination's going. It's just going very, well, I was about to say it's going very slowly, but actually, if you look at the numbers of actually how many vaccinations Brazil has given, it's over 25 million. And so it's quite close to how it's comparable to the UK at the moment. But it's okay. obviously just because there's a shed load more Brazilians is that kind of vaccinated <laughs> continent. Um, you know, it's true. Uh, I think I think people don't realize how big Brazil is. Right. I, you know, when I first, you know, was talking to you about Brazil years and years ago and started investigating Brazil I think I was shocked about how big the country yeah. is just in terms of land size right uh, and then just the size of the population too yeah so it's the same it's the same size as Europe uh land wise uh and population wise is it's just over 500 million I think wow. so there's there's a lot of people to vaccinate there is um, there is so yeah. um but yeah, got, I think I think they're still they're still vaccinating. They're on 60s and over still where we are. Okay. So yeah. it's coming. It's coming. Nice. Yeah. Megan and I yeah. got our vaccine, so we are. I know you are. We now have for those into conspiracy theories. We now have great cell reception. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, yeah, and you've the got 5G on your phone now. Already? That's right. The government yeah. text text me straight to my brain what I need to know for the day. So. <laughs> Oh my goodness! No, uh, we, no, we're really, really thankful. My, uh, as you know, Andy, Megan works in the in the ER, so emergency room, A and E for the British people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, we were thankful to get access uh, to the vaccine. I think we're only going to get vaccinated when we go back to the UK. I don't yeah, think I mean, we're going to get probably, it. Probably yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> no, we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, do do uh, do continue to pray for Brazil if you go, if people pray. But you wouldn't know that the numbers were so bad because there's no lockdown. No, 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 that kind of lockdown business here. We just all just, everyone just continues with their lives. And so it's very, yeah, very complicated here. Very complicated. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So uh, talking about complications and, you know, mm. uh, I believe we have to, uh, we can't print a retraction. I, I guess we have to. Oh, speak, yes. <laughs> we have to speak a retraction on uh, on last week's episode, isn't that That's right? That's right. Yeah, I better, I better correct myself. Um, you know, I get overexcited quite often uh, sure. about lots of things, and true, true, true. and <laughs> and so I did. I we we interviewed Kelly uh, last week. Great friend, wonderful work with the Graceful Warrior Project. I did say that she was. I think I I said she was a black belt in like every single martial arts. Now that might have been an exaggeration, <laughs> and uh, Kelly would just like us to point out that she is not a black belt, but she can still kick your butt. <laughs> <laughs> those weren't her words, though. I, yeah, no, I think I, I, I added on Brad those Adam. last three. Yeah. yeah, that's okay, Andy. There's, I, I made a mistake. I think I was posting on our Instagram off, uh, you know, far short Instagram account with my interview with Amy. 
uh, and I, I spelt my sister's name wrong. I put I put any any Smith rather than any Smith. So faith any in kids. Them. Any Smith. Any any of them. Yeah. We're just going to talk to any of them. Yeah, exactly. So faith in kids uh, graciously uh, uh, posted to our account to point out my error and said they love any Smith. But Amy Smith. Yeah, but Amy Smith particularly. Amy was particularly one that we love. So anyway, so there we go. Yeah. Yeah. So today, Andy, we're going to be talking about short-term missions. We are. We are. So why don't we why don't we get into that now? Okay, so short-term missions, Andy. I think so let's start off by defining what we mean by short-term missions. Do you want to tackle that? Right. Yeah, so I think when I talk about short-term missions, I'm thinking of that kind of team that churches send out um, for maybe two or three weeks, uh, usually going to a different country, uh, usually quite a poor community, uh, to do missions uh, and then come back. Okay, nice. Yeah, and and it doesn't have to be two weeks too. We also, um, sometimes short-term missions can be defined um, as up to maybe a year. Uh, I know when I took my year in Africa, uh, when I was 18, that was defined as still a kind of a short-term, uh, volunteer opportunity. Cause I was just there mm. for one year too. But yeah, I think particularly we're going to be concentrating on the kind of two week trip, uh, just because that's probably what most people uh, are familiar with. I know it's right. especially popular in, in the States, Lots of yeah. churches in the state send mission teams. So I have a stat. So, I have a stat, James. Have a stat. I, can, I have a stat. I know. Look like at this. I've, I've done have, some research. We should have a jingle. We should have a stat jingle. <laughs> we haven't been using any of our jingles, but we should. Oh, uh, someone needs to buy us a jingle machine. Yeah, do, um, please. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, give me a stat. I want a stat. Well, we've we've built it up so much now. Is it really? It's just a very simple one. Uh, Two million Americans per year are involved in short-term missions. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so like you say, James, very, very popular, and they've been getting a bit of flack, I think, over uh, the past few years. You know, are we, is it the Great Commission, or is it just some glorified sightseeing? Uh, yeah. Is it sun, Sunshine Samaritans? Um, and so uh, we, we, yeah, so, so Sunshine Samaritans. Sunshine Samaritans, I like yeah. that one. Well, I'll tell you what, Andy, before, before we, we tear into short-term missions, because today I think kind of that's what we want to do we want to uh, kind of tear into short-term missions a little bit and then at the end try and get back to being a bit more positive and talk about maybe how uh, they could be used and refocused but i think it's worth starting off with the fact that both of us benefited from being short-term mission people so right. why don't we start off on a little positive foot and i think mm -hmm. it will play into what we talk about so let's just very quickly very briefly what for you was kind of the benefit of doing short-term missionary, being a short-term missions trip when you yeah. were young? Yeah, no, good good point, James. Uh, yeah, both of us have, I think short-term missions has been very influential in both of our lives. I remember when I was 16, I went with a, a group from, from church, our youth group, back in 2001. We went to Croatia uh, for a few weeks to work with Bosnian refugees uh, with Tear Fund. And that was amazing. I think for me, it was obviously I was very young, um, but it was the first it was when I could say perhaps the Christian faith became real to me. I I, I saw had, oh, sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional. <laughs> no, just, just, just some coffee coming up. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I saw, I could see, you know, how our Christian faith had a purpose. And it wasn't just some kind of spiritual hobby that people do, you know, go to church on a Sunday, that actually faith in action uh, was, was, was a very real thing. Um, so yeah, amazing, amazing time in Croatia. I could now in hindsight, I can see some stuff which perhaps wasn't done greatly, which we'll get onto later on. Um, and then obviously again, I came to Brazil on a kind of a short term trip and my gap year, I was here for six months and that's when God really, uh, completely changed my life. And now I'm, I'm still here, you know, 17 years later. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think for me, you know, similarly, when I was 16, I used to do, do you remember, do you ever, the United Beach Missions, does that ring yeah. a bell for you, the guy, the yeah. red shirts on the beach? Yeah, on the beach, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I did that, I did that for a few years, beach missions, um, yeah. so for those that don't know, beach missions was uh, a group of people, usually young people, get together in the summer, they go to a kind of beach destination in the UK, I know that's, for many people, that's an oxymoron, like a beach right. destination in the UK, but you know what? Those British people, we love a good cold, wet beach in the summer. So, um, but we'd go there for a week. We'd run a kids program. We'd run evening events. Heavy focus on cold contact evangelism. If you don't know what that is, then listen back to uh, our earlier podcast interview with Nick Fast. Um, so, so that again was a good training of really putting me outside of my comfort zone. And then we talked. Obviously, I interviewed Rick, and we talked about that a little bit. Uh, Rick Maples from Africa in my mission. I also took my 12 months in Kenya too. And that again was a, a huge defining moment for me as, as a young man uh, and as Christian in terms of being discipled, growing in my faith and trust of who God is. So there we go. There is some some positive things that both of I, both of us, both of I, both of us have gathered from our experiences with short-term missions. Um, so let's let's now um, pull them apart. So, <laughs> so what would you say? I think we 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 chat about this ahead of time. We came up with kind of three things, uh, kind of three kind of major problems uh, with kind of the short-term mission model as it stands right now. Um, so you want to kick us off with number one? Yeah, let's say uh, yeah. Three three challenges. Three challenges because because now. Obviously, I was a I was a team member on short-term teams um, over the past years. I've led them, and now in the role that we have at Revive, we've also received them. And so, and so we've had lots of experience now with different types of teams. And and thankfully, at Revive, uh, we have always had very positive experiences. But uh, that is not always the case, um, which is well well documented. So yeah, so three challenges. I would say the first one is kind of uh, um, it's around the area of culture, impact, and money. Now, when I say culture, I'm not just talking about uh, food or, or clothes. We're talking about some of the deeper underlying values of a culture, which uh, you know uh, can define how people react, how people behave, and how what expectations people have. And so the one I want to talk about today is about time. And time is very interesting. Um, uh, well, just very interesting anyway. But for us in the Western world, for Americans and uh, Brits, uh, time to us is very, very precious. It is what's called a monochronic uh, view of time, i.e. that time can run out. It is something that can be wasted. 
there is a limited amount of it. And so how we go about spending our time is very, very important, which is why we are so you know, hung up on to-do lists and schedules and making sure that we squeeze out every bit of minute possible you know, in our lives to be as productive as, as possible. Now, it might come as a shock to lots of people, but there are other views of time and ours is not only the one perspective of time. For example, there are other cultures that have what's called a very much of a polychronic view of time, i.e. that time is, 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 there's unlimited amounts of it. You know, we've always got more time. There's always more time for something. And so in, in these cultures, schedules and uh, diaries, they are not as important. They are more of guidelines of what we should do with our time. But it's more important, actually, uh, relationships and spending time getting to know each other and deepening our relationships as a collective rather than just making sure that we are being as productive as we can. OK, so I've got so obviously Brazil is a very polychronic culture. Um, uh, it is. Uh, it is more important that the event happens rather than the time that it happens. And so for us, for Westerners, it's the opposite. It's more important that something starts and finishes on time than the actual event itself. And so, you know, even today, James was annoyed at me because I was 45 minutes <laughs> late for the podcast. <laughs> I was, my, I was, my anger is only just abating, Andy. So. <laughs> I was 45 minutes late um, because I am at the moment in a very polychronic culture and the podcast will be done. You know, you're listening to it now. And so it's is it not more important that the podcast happened rather than just the time that it started and finished recording? Yeah. And as we, so there's a story about this. So the story is, is that my good friend of mine, and I'll, I can name her because she's probably listening, a girl called Rachel McClure. Uh, she married, she's Brazilian, and she married a good friend of mine back at home uh, from York. And they had their wedding uh, here in Brazil. And they have an amazing photo of their wedding day. And I think it was in a church. And uh, the wedding was supposed to start at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And there's a photo of the church taken at two o'clock in the afternoon. And the only people there were the Brits. There was like two. There was like two rows. Two two rows of the church are full of all the Brits in their suits, and then the rest of the church was empty. No one else had arrived. Even the vicar hadn't arrived to do the service. But they are now married, and so the Brazilians will say, "What's that fuss about?" You know, it's more important that they are married rather than the time that their marriage service started or that it finished. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but I think understanding culture is is a key part to any time you visit an, another country, understanding what what's going on, understanding, you know, what the keys are. And being a missionary, we talked before about discipleship and having this missionary mindset. Part of what a missionary does is he learns the culture, right. he learns how how does the community think? How do they how do they operate? So the story I have, I think it might be an apocryphal story. And by that, I mean. I always hate when people share a story and it turns out that you can, you know, use Google and find out that it's false. Um, so, so if it is, then I apologize. Uh, I I'll apologize. be Googling it. I'll, Straight I, I tried to Google it right now. Instead, I just got clothes that missionaries can wear. 
uh, which will make sense, which will make sense when I share the story. Uh, but this was from my time in Africa. I remember one of the, the missionaries sharing it with me there. When um, missionaries first went to East Africa, uh, a lot of the tribes, um, the desert tribes, uh, don't wear clothes, um, just their culture. Um, so what the missionaries did was they provided them with what they needed. They provided them with Western clothes. Uh, and they found that the men in the tribe used the women's clothes, used the women's dresses, uh, which, of course, they were horrified by, you know, uh, these men dressing in women's clothes. But again, practically in the culture, it made more sense. Incredibly hot climate right. uh, needed something that was nice and airy and breezy and easy to move in, uh, which, of course, would be would be a dress in that kind of climate. too. So, again, there, there was this idea that these kind of Western missionaries would come in and they look at the culture and they say, the thing that these people need or the thing that we need to fix is this. Their biggest yeah. need is this. Yeah. Or they need yeah. to they need to confer to our idea conform, sorry, they need to conform to our idea of time or yeah. our idea of dress. Yeah. And that can apply to anything. They need to conform to our idea of food or yeah. our idea of church. Yeah. Um, and, and that's because sometimes if we go, especially as a short-term missionary, and we haven't thought and these short-term mission trips, they don't often think about these things. They come in with their own culture saying, uh, my culture's right. The way right. we've done things is always right. Yeah. So, like, why then is this difference in time, why, why would this cause such problems for short-term missionaries or short-term mission team? Well, the second little thing is all about impact, mm -hmm. because whilst western westerners we have we we think time is very precious we also like to feel like we have cause and impact wherever we go whether it's just as millennials it's all about causing an impact leaving our mark and so usually short-term mission teams they 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 want to to do as much as they can use as much time as they can because time is precious and we've only got two weeks here and we, we really want to make leave an impact where we are you know we want to see 50 people converted or we want to have 10 bible studies you know in the church done by time you know we've got a building project that we want to do so we need to you know add an extra floor onto this building in two weeks guys we need to do it now because we need to have an impact because that is very very important to us and so you can imagine you know, a short-term mission team of 10 to 15 Westerners, Americans, Brits, in full-time extreme monochronic mode about we've got two weeks to do this and we want to have an impact. And so they arrive in Brazil or in another country, maybe somewhere in Africa or Mexico, where these cultures are very polychronic. And it's like, it's a lot more relaxed here, guys. Time is a little bit more differently done. And then you have this team who come to a local organization and they find that the local organization is perhaps not as organized as they think that this 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 organization should be because we've only got two weeks here so why isn't everything planned and ready for us why aren't you know the building materials already here why, what do you mean we have to travel three days to find the bricks that we need to do this to do this thing and then suddenly what could happen for the westerners is that suddenly paternalism kicks over because we view these people as disorganized inept perhaps even lazy because they're not using their time wisely and if they're not going to do it, then we'll do it. And, you know, nothing's going to stop us. And so we'll take things over. You know, give me the keys to the Land Rover and I'll drive it to the next city and I'll get these bricks that these Africans haven't been able to get. And suddenly 
paternalism is there and all the Westerners take over and we will make sure that that wall is whitewashed by the time we fly home uh, because we need to leave, we need to take a photo of it to justify the reason why we've come. And you can, so you suddenly see how perhaps short-term missions can actually cause quite a lot of harm to the people that they are serving. Because when suddenly the Americans take over or the Brits take over, it's like, oh, here's history repeating itself again. The Americans and the Brits think that they have the answers and the solutions to everything. And and we, the poor, don't really have, have anything to contribute. Um, and you, they'll just do everything themselves. Mm-hmm. And so you can see how that can uh, can can do. So those are the first two. So that was culture yeah. and impact. Yeah, well. no, and that's that's huge. And, and I appreciate Andy. I always think I'm the one that does the rants. So I, I really appreciate it when you when you start raising your voice and, and getting passionate. So have a, have a rant. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 so true. And as as you were talking and we we're talking earlier, I was thinking that there's so many practical examples of that, too, that idea of wanting to make an impact and then mm. leaving something that was was worse uh, or, or right. create a situation that wasn't there before. I was telling Andy earlier that my, my project, uh, my engineering project in Tanzania was uh, based because there was this problem with uh, groundwater that became kind of toxic. And one of the main causes of it was a church, unknown church, had gone in and they had drilled a borehole uh, for a village and provided a well uh, and then didn't test the water and left. And then this toxicity in the water led to bone deformities in children. Um, and 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 as I surveyed, I was doing a survey of water sources, so many broken wells provided by churches and charities, but not left with the expertise to repair them, not mm. left with the parts or the money to repair them when they went wrong, and mm. not left with any contact details or any relationship uh, to actually continue in terms of supporting um, providing clean water. And right. these people needed clean water. Don't get me wrong. Mm. They needed clean. They needed clean water. That wasn't. Yeah. I'm not denying that. But this idea that we we just want to have an impact in the short time we're here, but we're mm. not going to have any kind of long term. We're going to have the impact, and it's going to be for me. It's going to be yeah. for our. We're going to get back and say, look what we did. But unfortunately, as we know with anything, whether it's whether it's a spiritual thing, whether it's discipleship and giving someone the gospel, or whether it's a practical thing and providing food or water. It can't be a one-off thing, but I'll, I'll leave that until we talk about uh, relief and development in a little bit. Uh, so let's talk about money. That was kind of our mm. third third of these three things. We're talking about the kind of challenges about short-term missions right now. So right. Uh, obviously, um, when you if you've taken a short-term missions trip, there's fundraising involved usually. Uh, usually, these trips can be you know two or three thousand um, dollars. Some of the money goes towards the organization hopefully. Uh, and most times it does. Um, but a lot of the money also goes towards maybe accommodation, travel. Um, and then, you know, depending on where you are in the world, sometimes it can pay for safety um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and those kind of things too, like safe transport and hiring cars and hiring translators. And anyway. Mm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, money is, money is definitely uh, an issue. Um, and, you know, we usually, again, in the West, we we like to see a good return for our money, a good investment. What is our ROI, whatever it is, return on our investment for our money? But for short-term missions, suddenly that kind of 
value suddenly seemed to be thrown out the window. And it's like, yeah, let's blow $10,000 on a two-week trip to paint a wall and do a few Bible studies. When actually, if you actually thought about that money, actually that money could have been used to maybe pay for a local um, uh, project worker uh, whose perhaps yearly salary would be maybe like a thousand dollars or something something like that and so so if you're thinking about your return on your investment and impact actually sending money to support locals actually who are able to do the job much better than you would coming from my ohio or whatever it is nothing wrong with ohio but, but you know but you know you know they're, they are much more um able to do the work themselves in their own culture and their own language uh, than suddenly having 15 people rock up um, just for two just for two weeks. Um, so money is definitely an issue. And I was I was thinking about this the other day, and this is perhaps James, I will I'll ask this for you. Um, and for our listeners, you know, if in even in America, if imagine your church had an offer from another church in let's say the UK or Europe. And they said, hey, James, would you rather have 15 French people come and serve your church for two weeks? Or would you like 50,000 euros, uh, which is the cost of sending those 15 people uh, over? Probably, and, and unless you really like to have the cultural exchange, probably churches would say, actually, even though we'd love to have you over, Give us the fifty thousand euros because you know we've been you know, we've been trying to raise money for the past five years to redo our roof or for this new thing and actually fifty thousand yeah. euros would be uh, would be a, a lot of help. Yeah, um, no, and I, I agree, I agree. I think I think instantly when you said buy a new roof, my my cynical brain and we haven't talked about church culture yet. That's a future <laughs> podcast coming up. That'll be my turn to have a rant. I think my my thing about that would be, yeah, send 50,000 euros to the American church. They put a new roof on rather than be like, hey, we could plant plant two or three churches. But yes, I agree. I know the point you're making. Right. uh, And so like like for the but then a church, for example, in Brazil or or in Africa or, or Asia, they don't get that choice. The American church or the British church, they don't say, hey, our partner over in Africa, would you rather have the $50,000 that it would cost, you know, to send a team over to you? Or would you like to have 15 of those rock up and paint you, paint you a wall? Yeah. They usually don't, they, well, first of all, they're not usually given a choice over that. And even if they are given the choice, they don't really feel like they have the power to say, hey, guys, actually, we would prefer the money rather than you. Um, so, so, but we, ha- again, we are tearing into short-term missions yeah, and, and we I, will rebuild it. And there is, there, yeah. there is definitely a, 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 a place for it. And, yeah. and it, and it and, is and I think, and I, Yeah. And then we'll get there too. And I think, I think all these things we talked about here, I think what, what people need to understand is that the, there isn't, there isn't not a benefit, but the benefit is primarily for the people taking part in the short-term missions trip. So for example, if I'm saying, to revive i say hey i'm a church i'm going to send you 15 young people and i'm going to invest thirty thousand dollars in sending you those 15 young people i need to realize i'm not investing thirty thousand dollars in brazil 
I'm not investing $30,000 in Revive. I'm investing $30,000 in those 15 young people because mm. I'm saying that the, the experience that those 15 young people is going to have is going to develop them as, as Christians or as young people. But I have to not lie to myself and be like, and lie to those people and be like, hey, we're spending $30,000 to send you guys to have a great impact in Brazil. No, yeah. I, I'm investing $30,000 in those 15 young people to develop them mm. um and don't don't like i i think you know a caveat is that 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 god is ultimately in control mm. Ian and andy know that god is ultimately in control and he can use our he has for thousands of years been using our averageness our messiness mm. um in in his way so mm. my um good friends of my mum came to believing in Jesus through the work of beach mission. Mm. So there are, there are impacts that short-term missionaries can have, but predominantly that is not, that is not the case. And predominantly why they came to faith, why my mom's friends came to faith was a relationship between my parents and them continued after that initial contact. Mm. So there was more than just the short-term mission. There was a continuing relationship after that too so just think it's yeah. worth just just making that thing like the investment of money again i i i'm with you andy i think yeah that thirty thousand dollars could be used differently and let, and let's talk about how short-term missions could look what what could we change because we're not not saying necessarily get rid of them altogether mm -hmm. although maybe as a church weighs up these ideas maybe that will be the conclusion they come to but let's talk about what what they could do and the first one is a, a key one i want you to talk about is this idea of relief and development yeah brilliant james we haven't really got into the kind of um differences between relief and development yet um so so we might have to uh, skim over them a little bit and come back in a later pod as always um but it'll start a little bit negative and then hopefully we'll go into a positive First of all, the negative, usually short-term mission teams, they are much more focused on relief when we should really be doing development. Now, why is that a problem? Because usually short-term missions, they have a very, uh, their definition of poverty is usually it's a lack of something. You had a great uh, story about the, the, the wells in, in Africa. Um, and and people had defined their view of poverty as as these people are lacking something. It's either lacking safe water, uh, it's either lacking material resources, it's lacking knowledge, it's lacking spirituality, and and we have all those things. This is we we have what they need, and so and so they are poor. We are rich because they are lacking that thing that we have. And so therefore our role on this short-term mission is to provide that thing that they need. And that means that we are gods because we are superior. We have it all sorted and, and we are providing the thing that they need. Isn't that amazing? We are fixing them. We are solving the problem. We are great. And, and, and this is, Again, I say we haven't really got on into all of these things, but really I would su su suggest that poverty obviously is expressed sometimes as a lack of material things, but really poverty at its heart is relational. It is broken relationships 
which is what makes us poor. And if you have a relational view of poverty, even us who are materially rich, we are poor because our relationships are broken as well. But the way that these re broken relationships are expressed is different because the materially poor, their relation, the brokenness of their relationships is expressed by feeling inferior. And the way that our uh, broken relationship is expressed is by feeling superior. I feel superior because I have the thing that you don't have. And so when you, it's like an equation, this goes, it's this book that we talked about, me and Kelly the last time, when helping her to read it, everybody. It's this equation of when you have a material definition of poverty mixed with inferiority of the people you're trying to work with, mixed with the superiority, the God complexes of the rich, that is an equation that will just lead to harm. You are going to harm people. You're going to harm the people you're trying to work with and you're going to harm yourself because you arrive in a relief mode you're wanting to relieve things when actually these people don't need relief, they need development. But we like giving them relief because in the act of providing the thing that they don't have, that I have, I am reinforcing my feelings of superiority. Aren't I amazing because I have this? And I am also reinforcing their view that they have nothing to offer. We, we, and, and this is what happened with the people in Africa, with the, the church went to Africa. They'd noticed that these people, they didn't have any safe water. Brilliant. They don't have safe water. Why don't they have safe water? That's something else that we could get into later. But they don't have it. So what they need is wells. Brilliant. We know how to build wells. So we're going to come in. We're going to save you guys. We're going to build all the wells that you need. And then we're going to start off back home. And we're not going to actually teach you how to build a well or even how to 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 look after it because to be honest it's beyond you you don't know this tech you haven't gone to university you don't even read or write how could you how could you you know how dare you think that you could even grasp the knowledge that this yeah. has that, that this has gone into and and and, and they harm themselves they mm -hmm. harm the people they were that they were working with and they harm themselves because it just yeah. reinforced these feelings of superiority and inferiority. And it's worth saying they wouldn't wouldn't say the way you put it there, you're you know, you're being very blunt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. they obviously I don't think people would, would speak in this way, but I think underlying you're just pointing at what what actually is the reality of what happens. Yeah. Um because using that well example, the churches have disappeared, there is no continuing relationship. Those churches don't know that the wells are broken and not working. Um, yeah. the, you know, and there, there is, and there's, and I think, and that's what you're saying, right? You're saying that that's the line that, that, that splits relief and development. Right. I, I mean, it helped me. Is it relationship? Is that the, is that the key? When, when does, when does something turn from, even if we took the, the issue of just water, even yeah. if we took the issue of providing clean water, when does it turn from relief to development? What to is development. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant what question, like? James. So usually relief is usually only done in emergency situations. So like if it's a question of life or death, this person is starving, there's been hurricane, Hurricane Katrina, New Orleans, sure, a disaster. Under, underwater. We, relief disaster. From disaster. Yeah. Relief is there. But fairly soon after a disaster, what people, when the bleeding has stopped, what people need is not relief. They need to be rehabilitated and developed. And so usually when short-term mission trips have been sent, they've usually been sent to non-disaster zones. They've just been sent to 
poor communities where there's chronic poverty. And, and if you try to do relief in these areas, you're just gonna do harm because they don't need relief, they need to be developed. They need to participate in trying to tackle the root issues to whatever issues they are in, in the community. And so taking the water example, brilliant. You know, there's no clean water, it's an emergency situation, we need to provide clean water for these people. The way that you can do that, the way that you can provide relief can still be done developmentally. What seems to have happened is the church did everything themselves. It's very paternalistic. You did something for somebody that they could probably do themselves. And that's the big rule. Never ever, especially in cross-cultural mission, cross-cultural set settings, never do something for somebody which they could do themselves. You can help them, you can do it together. Participation is the big thing in development. And so what could have happened with the, 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 the people in Africa is that they could have involved the community in building these wells, in showing them how they build them, in showing them, teaching them how they could um, uh, care for them and fix them if ever, if ever, if ever something went wrong. They are developing their knowledge uh, about these wells so that when the church and the foreigners do leave, the locals have everything that they need to be able to care for these great things that the church has given. Yeah. I remember going to Croatia. I said Croatia was a great time in my short-term mission. Um, we went to help these Bosnian refugees. It was just after the Bosnian war. And so lots of Bosnians had, had, had fled into Croatia. And we were working in a tier fund project, which had like a, a, a large house that housed all of these refugees. And we lived in the house with them, it was brilliant. We were, you know, on an evening, we played football with them, build relationships, it was really, really good. But what we were doing during the day was we were going to the house next door, which was completely, uh, you know, falling apart. And we were helping to, to restore, to, 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 to gut basically this house so that it could be made into a second house for these Bosnian refugees. And so we spent all day knocking down walls and doing all this stuff. And it was a really, really fun thing. But then reflecting on it, we were the only ones doing it. And there was all of these very capable, able-bodied men and women, Bosnian refugees, who could have been helping us or we could have been helping them to renovate their house basically but we were doing it all for them and they were just sat back you know just watching these young brits you know do you know do the work for them and then play with them we play football with them in the evening and again just reflecting on it it was a very the idea was that guys you can't do this let me do it for you and I'll make sure that you have a nice house to live in because you guys, you guys can't do it. You've got nothing to offer. When if you want to do something more developmentally, we could have done it all together. Wouldn't that have been amazing to have all of these, you know, the people that we were living with, we could have had so much fun together, you know, uh, gutting and renovating, you know, their house. Um, so that is, you know, always think about trying to do something developmentally mm -hmm. rather than doing it to relief. And so what does that mean for short-term missions? Like if your church has wanted to send a team to Brazil, first of all, get in touch with the, the church or the local organization to see how your team could fit into their developmental and missional work in that community. 
how can our team play a part of this process? Because we have to remember that mission development, it is a, a lifelong process of building relationships, discipleship, and it's not just a two-week product. It's not something that you can just do in two weeks. So if you have two or three weeks and you have a team, get in touch with the organization to see how, what you could offer in partnership with the local church to do something together for the benefits, the long-term benefit of that community. Yeah, and I think that plays nicely, uh, segues nicely into kind of the next point we wanted to bring up, which is the short-term mission, changing the focus uh, from ourselves to supporting the long-term missionary or the long-term organization or church that is in the location that the short-term missions team is going to. It made me think of another story, another example. I know of a church that has a long-term relationship with a place in Mexico, and they go and do a dental work and medical work each year. So every year they go, they take this trip, they do support a local church plant there. They bring in local, they bring in um, local people, and they take dentists from the the U.S. to kind of do dental work down there too. So I think that there is some development going on there too, in terms mm -hmm. of they are supporting a local church planter down there. They are supporting a local church. That relationship is continuing. So they're on the way to that point. But also there starts to be questions like, why do we have to wait, wait for the U.S. dentist to arrive? Right. Uh, why do we not have uh, Mexican dentists and men Mexican? Uh, why are we not paying for people to be trained up in those disciplines? Mm. Um, why do we feel like it's, you know, it's only an expertise that we can bring in from the States again, too? Um, so I think that I think, you know, that example, I think it's and I think maybe there's lots of churches that are maybe already on that pathway, Andy, but maybe just haven't taken that 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 full step. Mm. So they have yeah. maybe a long-term relationship with a the location. They have a long-term relationship with a missionary, but maybe they haven't asked that key question, which you just brought up, where they haven't asked mm. the key question is, how can we be partnering with you in your development plan? Yeah. Not just coming in and providing relief for two weeks every year, but how mm. can we have a continuing relationship that works into your development plan? So yeah, yeah so that, that second point there is, I guess those those two points go together is is can short term missions focus on supporting the long term organization? How does yeah. that look how that look for you, Andy? How how do you think that would look for you? What that look like? Well again, I would the the only thing that I would add on to that to that bit, because you were talking about changing the focus, changing the focus of of the short term mission. Um, much, you know, rather than the focus on having an impact, it's it's about supporting the long-termers. Mm -hmm. um, and also I would add on a, a, a much more of an observing and learning um, uh, role for the team members. Um, and I think that that also in, has an impact on, on how short-term mission teams are advertised in churches. You know, we should get rid of those posters of poor dirty African children and saying and the people saying you know come and save them for two weeks come and help us save them because it's like guys are not going to save anybody in two weeks um, and 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 much more you know repackage our you know trips as kind of vision trips you know we're going to go out and we're going to meet our long-term partners there this relationship that we have in the church we're going to go we're going to learn from them we're going to be a support we're going to support them, we're going to bless them uh, we're gonna we're gonna really invest in in the relationships with our long-term partners there 
to make sure that they feel like they are loved and supported and cared for uh, for the for the long term. Yeah. Um, for is it revive? Um, we've we've had some we've had we've had some interesting people over the over the years. Um, all of them have have definitely had very positive effects on the kids. Um, and um, this kind of goes into the, the, our last point of, of when, they, when, when they go, sometimes it's a little bit sad because the kids remember them and they always say, oh, you know, where was so-and-so, you know, how is so-and-so doing? And I'm like, I have no idea because that relationship doesn't continue. You know, yeah. the kids remember them, but there's that ongoing relationship hasn't, hasn't, hasn't continued. We've had some issues of people who come, you know, they don't speak the language, uh, but they are very adamant that they need to have some kind of impact, you know, for for the you know the money that they've spent, and they need to have done something. And so we do have. I told James about this. We have the the revive short term mission team wall, <laughs> which just gets which just gets repainted any time somebody really thinks they need to have some kind of impact. And I'm like, yeah, you can just paint a wall, you know. Do that for your own ego, just so that you've uh, that you feel like you've contributed something meaningful. So we have a, a wall that keeps on getting repainted every time. Most you know, beautiful wall. Most yeah, really, really good, brilliant, and and what what a great impact that has. You know, long ongoing developmental work for revive in the future. I'm being being a bit too cynical. Uh, you are but, um, sarcastic. Yeah. Andy, I feel like today, for the first time ever, I feel like your sarcastic you know dial is turned up to like ten today. There's been a few times today where it's been dripping dripping from you but but well, yeah i think i think I get, yeah i i think i get the you know kind of kind of what we're talking about too and i think that leads into our kind of final kind of final point too which is that when they go when they get back uh, i think many of us that have been involved with church for a while uh, and and maybe we've been you know part of the short-term missions team that gets back and they have the special sunday at church when everyone gets up and they uh, my turn to be cynical, Andy. Uh, they talk about, you know, what a wonderful two weeks, what an amazing time they've had and how God has spoken to them in new ways and they've never felt closer to God before. Um, and I think just the way that God's wired me, Andy, I, I sit there thinking, I think the only reason you feel that way is because one, you're on a missions trip. So you're forced to read your Bible every day. You're forced <laughs> to pray to every day. You're surrounded by other people that were energized and energetic. And you had a, you had like a, specific goal for those two weeks um mm. that you did and you spoke to someone about jesus because yeah. they didn't speak the language you probably spoke to a translator so you didn't even have to worry about it and you never had to see that person again mm. oh my goodness it's so easy to tell people oh i'm a christian i love jesus and i live this way and then never see them again yeah um, and they come home on this real high and all churches know this and then very quickly go into depression very you know, like oh it's just i wish i was back in mexico i wish i was back mm. in Brazil. Uh, yeah. you know, and all those things too so the thing that starts to ask some big questions to me um about the the purpose what was the purpose yeah. of the short-term the short-term mission strip because if the purpose was development and the purpose was long-term relationships then one those relationships should continue mm -hmm. like you should be taking an interest in the, the long-term missionary or the long-term organization that you were involved with and that relationship mm -hmm. can continue um, but also in terms of if we're sending people off and they're coming back and saying, I got to know God so much better, but they can't do that at home. Mm. Then it has to ask some questions about how do we go about discipling people? 
is is short-term missions the only way we can get people to develop in their faith and understanding Mm. because i don't know about you there was a really funny story my mom called me one time she goes to church in in northwell hartford near northwich in cheshire and Mm. she said she was sitting in in a prayer meeting one time and a kid got up and said um that pray for him who's going on a missions trip to california Mm. and uh you know, everyone's like, California? Why would you need a mission trip to California? Anyway, and then he's like, well, I'm going to this town. It's really affected by drugs. They have a lot of crime problems. It's called Oroville. So now Oroville is where Megan works. Is where Megan works. (laughs) Megan works. It's the hospital that she works at. And it is, um, it's a really bad town. It's really Mm. been affected by uh, by drugs, lots of poverty and stuff like that too. But hey, if you said to a group of Americans, hey, so for our missions trip this year, uh, we're going to uh, we're going to spend two weeks in Oroville. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna run a kids club and we're gonna work with the homeless people and we're gonna work with the drug prevention um, charities and organizations in the area. They'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, no, that's not that's not exotic destination. Where's my two days at the beach holiday <laughs> right. at the end? <laughs> so, so again, there's this like, is this just comedy thing where? It's like we we send out these we send out these mission teams to go, like you said, and have this impact and have this relief in an area which they can only spend two weeks in. When we live in communities, and every single community, without exception, is in desperate need of something. They they have, like you said before, there's relational poverty everywhere. So and and. We need to recognize that. And the thing is, if we are on mission in our community, then we are there long term. Mm-hmm. Then we are in there for a long term relationship. Uh, we are there for development and not for relief, too. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes we need as a church to refocus and be like, we need to get people to have that same perspective, not just about how we engage with international mission partners, mm-hmm. but how we engage with mission in our own communities, too. Locally. Yeah, so. yeah. And so I think we need to be at a positive final note. Short term missions does definitely have a place in global mission um, if it is done in a way which is developmental. Uh, it is done in a way that is culturally sensitive to the people that it is serving um, and in a way which uh, does not harm the people that it is trying to uh, that they are trying to help. So if you can do that, then you are more than welcome to come to do short term mission uh, in Brazil. <laughs> Great job. Thank you, Andy. Good summary. Okay, another episode down, Andy. That's episode 10. Good job. Yeah, who would have thought who would have thought we got this far? No one. No one. And exactly. people are probably wishing that we hadn't. <laughs> I know. Another long one today. I think it's funny when we well, talk about be, things yeah. we're passionate about, uh, we tend to be a little bit more verbose. So, you know, I know when we talked about parenting the other week and then this week we're talking about the short term mission stuff. I think we tend to be yeah, uh, a lot more. Yeah, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see how how much that I I leave in. Uh, our chat today and people won't know apart from they'll know now because they'll know that i cut stuff out but you might have cut stuff out but hopefully they'll be, it's, worried, it's they'll be listening to a 55 minute podcast being like he cut stuff out jeez <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
how long were they talking for? That's so. right. Anyway, but hopefully, hopefully people have found some gems amongst all the garbage that has also come out of our yeah. mouths. I think the really interesting thing about doing a podcast is is having the conversation. It's it's very um, it's very difficult to 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 maintain a like a train of thought throughout the mm. whole conversation and remember yeah. all the things. And I think as we talk, and this is the amazing thing about having conversations about these difficult subjects is as you talk, things come to mind. Like it, I, I process verbally. This is how I process. I think, yeah. I think our podcast is you and me verbally processing some of our ideas and bouncing them off each other. So anyway, I really enjoy it. So I, I, I forgot. I've got one more practical thing that I forgot it's about money. Yes. Here we go. One last thing. One last, we've talked a lot about money. A practical thing then for short-term missions is that you try to give as a gift to the local organization the amount of money that you are spending on yourself to get there. So for example, if you are paying $3,000 on yourself for flights, medical insurance, whatever it is, try to also give $3,000 as a gift to the local organization, because I can bet you more than $3,000 that that $3,000 will go a lot further and have much more of an impact with that local organization. Um, uh, so it's anyway, it's a good way of, of offsetting perhaps the kind of financial issue that we were talking about earlier on in, earlier. in the pod. Yeah. Well, there you go. People listened to the jingle. They thought our conversation was over, Andy. <laughs> they thought they listened to her much and then wham, we got wham. one more. Unexpected. One more there we go. Point. Unexpected. I've, I've stopped now. I've finished. Good. Yeah. So you know what, Andy, normally we talk about what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'm not sure right now. Uh, I'm hoping we have a couple of interviews coming up. Um, if if people are out there, they want to be interviewed by us, mm. they're welcome to, to contact us. So yeah. feel free to send us an email. Uh, if you guys have questions or suggestions, yeah. I think we have a couple of ideas bubbling around our heads still about things we're going to talk about. We do want to talk about church culture. That's going to be a three-hour episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're also going to talk a little bit more about relief and development in the future too. Mm. Uh, I'm going to get into that a little bit more, too. Um, but, you know, if you guys have a question or something that you want us to discuss, or even if you want us to go back over a topic that we've done before, we would we would love to hear from you guys. So thank you so much for uh, lending us your ears for this week. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again on the Far Shore soon. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at thefarshore at reviveinternational.net. To learn more about the work of Revive International, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, revive-international.org. Please subscribe to keep track of new episodes. We look forward to you joining us on our next journey being called to the far shore.